Welcome to the Elevate Your Life podcast with Evelyn Kelly. I'm your host, Evie, life and confidence coach, and I'm here to support you to create unstoppable self-belief and confidence, own your self-worth, and to elevate all areas of your life. Join me for soulful yet straight-talking chats with epic humans, juicy DNMs with me, and loads of inspiration so that you can be the best vision of yourself and live a life you truly love and deserve. Are you with me? Here we go. Hello and welcome, beautiful human. It is so good to have you here today and talking on the podcast as our first guest. It is such an honor to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ever since I wanted to have my own podcast, I knew that you would be the first person that I wanted to interview as I feel like your journey is so unique and there is so much wisdom and knowledge to share from that journey. So thank you for being here, Brooke. It is just such an honor to talk with you and I am excited to dive into this conversation. But before we start... You and I know that I love quotes and I have them all around the house on post-it notes and in all sorts of places. So can you please tell me what's your favorite quote? Sure. Awesome. Um, So my favorite quote is I would rather work 100 hours a week for myself than 40 hours for someone else. Love it. And isn't that so uh, fitting for today's conversation? So you and I know your journey really well, obviously, but for the listeners who don't know you so well, can you please take us back to the start? Tell us about some of the experiences, challenges, and lessons that you've learned along the way that's now led you to owning an incredibly successful flower shop here in Auckland and doing what you love, really going against the grain and doing what makes you happy yeah cool well I think it's probably best if we start back at the very beginning um at my childhood and um you know I've businesses and being creative has always been um such a big thing for me I've I've always loved it I've grown up around it um and you know I used to do I used to do things back when I was super young, I'd, I'd brainstorm up all these wicked, cool businesses that I had in my mind um, that I would that would actually would write on paper and, and create little things for them. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of my little stepping stone into, I guess, to where I am now. Um, you know, everything has to lead to where you are now. So, I would do little things. I'll I'll dive into now, which is I had this one vision. It was a it was a cafe. Um, and it was called, it was called the Wipeout Cafe and it had, uh, my vision for it was it had, uh, old recycled surfboards, uh, for the, for the tables and, you know, I had all my family, they were all rostered on. Um, so I had the whole vision for, for how this thing would work and I was super young, um, going back and I would have probably been probably around about eight years old, something like that. But I was creating all these like crazy things and, I thought that was normal, but obviously it wasn't normal. <laughs> I love that. Um, but what yeah. were some of the other businesses and ideas that you came up with? I came up with 
lawn mowing businesses. I came up with um, Sell For You, which is like a, a selling people's goods for them. Um, I dabbled in a bit of flower growing. Um, yeah, I did lots of lots of different things, but um, yeah, it's all it's always a revolved around businesses, really. And, yeah. And so you've always had like that entrepreneurial flair in yourself, and been interested in creating businesses or the notion of creating something from scratch and coming up with all of the ins and outs of how it's going to work and how it's going to look. Like yeah. that was something that you were obviously really good at and came naturally to you, but it's obviously something that you initiated. Like you were excited about doing that stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's like super creative for me. Um, it's a bit of an outlet for me to be able to, to, you know, draw things down and, and write things of, you know, how I envision to work. I'm a bit of an ideas person. So I always come up with lots of ideas, but it's sometimes it's, you need to know when to pull those things off. And sometimes, you know, it's best on paper. So and yeah. an interesting fact, most of your family know you as the ideas man, right? They do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love ideas. Um, ideas are good. Um, the take can be creative. It's, well, it's how, I'm, it's how I'm creative anyway. I've got to, I, yeah. write, I write lots of things down. So, yeah. So, I, when I started school, um, I, straight, I, I, I knew this was kind of not my cup of tea. Um, schooling I found extremely hard um, I didn't fit in because I found it difficult um, this is throughout my whole school life um, it wasn't something that I woke up in the morning going yay let's go to school it was I felt like a chore for me um, and something that I wish now looking back I gave a little bit more effort to but the more, the more I dive into this with you um, I'll explain the reasons around why I struggled. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, you know, primary school is a bit of a blur for me. I don't really remember it. Um, and I think that's because it was hard. So I decided to not try. Um, and, you know, the older I got and trying to learn about why I found it hard to to learn and then once I found out the reason around why I found it hard was because I had dyslexia well I guess one that made it understandable or why I struggled at school but then it was another challenge for me to go okay now I've got dyslexia what does this mean Mm. for me creativity was the one thing I loved and to be creative at school sometimes is a little bit harder so well, I, I found I found that way anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, once I started college and that's when I found it, my dyslexia really started to to give me a bit of a burden, to be honest. Um, you know, I was in the lowest classes at school um, and that way you're, you know, people are saying, oh, yeah, you're in the lowest class. It's all, it's very grading mm. at the school I went to. Um, and I guess this just, just knocks you down, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And a time when like your inner critic's pretty loud, it's challenging times as a teenager where you're kind of like working out who you are and your place in the world mm. and then having an extra challenge around learning and potentially not having the support that you needed or not understanding it enough to be able to get those needs met. Mm. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, 
yeah, it was definitely challenging, I must say. Um, but there were parts of there were parts of schooling that I did really like and that I did do really well in. And of course, those were the creative parts. Yeah, it was the tech parts and the photography parts and the mm. the, the sports and you know all those sorts of things. You know, the snowboarding team. Like I loved all that sort of thing. It was the academic side that I struggled with. Um, but we did. I did have. I did start to learn how to deal with dyslexia. And, and once I did that, it, it obviously became a lot easier. Yeah. And I guess, thanks for sharing that firstly. And I just love that that's just such a good example that, you know, the traditional way of learning and schooling was not for you, but it definitely wasn't a marker of your success. No, definitely not. Yeah. And I don't, you haven't actually shared here, but you didn't actually finish school or NCA, and yet now you have a multi-six-figure business and is wildly successful, and you're doing what you love. So I love that this is just, yeah, a, a beautiful example of that, you know, schooling and marks and exams aren't necessarily a true marker of your own success and what's to come for you. No, they're not. No. And I, I back then, I thought it was. Mm. So... It worried me and it scared me that, you know, all you have to do well at school to pass. NCA level one, I failed by one credit, you know, when you have to get 80, I think it is, and I got 79. It was just like one of those things that just kept knocking me back, like, you know, you didn't pass. So then I was just like, you know what, I need to start doing something that I like to do. And so I left school. Uh, I left school at a very young age um, because you'll find out that I give everything a crack, you know. Um, so that was I had to grow up quite quickly once I left school and after I left school I went to Camp America so this was my first experience by myself I didn't have my family I didn't have anyone by my side to to tell me what to do or how to do things I went to Camp America I went to an amazing camp Um, I actually envisioned this camp before I went to it um, and cause you're kind of placed in camps, you don't really have an option of where you go. Uh, it could be like a sporting camp. It could be anything like that. But I ended up at a camp with autistic kids, um, who struggled, you know, struggled their whole lives. Um, and this was probably one of my massive changing points in my life. You know, I got to be with people who some of them couldn't talk, some of them couldn't walk, um, you know, yelling and screaming, but I love those kids and, and I got to connect with those kids and I got to do it for like three months full time every day. It was amazing. So we would have one-on-one kids um, throughout that time and we would take them to do sports and we'd take them to go in the, in the lake. We would take them on the boat. So everything I love to do, I got to do with them. Um, and it was a really massive growing thing for me. Um, because here's, here's Brooke with dyslexia and you've got other kids who are dealing with a lot more harder things mm-hmm. than that. So it puts pin- things in, into perspective for me uh, when I was there. And uh, the other good thing was when I was over there, no one knew that I had dyslexia. And the people who I met, I was able to be my true self. Um, and I think this is when I learned how to start being a bit more confident to make that brook shine a little bit brighter um yeah so that was kind of my first step into the real world yeah beautiful 
So what happened when you came back after Camp America? So once I came back, I was, I became this new confident Brock and I thought, okay, cool. What am I going to do next? So I enrolled in landscape, sorry, landscape design and horticulture course. So I loved horticulture and I love design. So I thought this would be a great idea. So I did that. I got stuck into it. I loved it. Designing plots and designing people's gardens and learning about nature and learning about plants and pests and diseases. So all these things I did at the landscape and design course was a thing for me to go, right, I'm actually going to finish something and I'm going to prove to myself that that I can do this and that I am good enough to finish something. Um, and this is what I did. I I achieved it and I came top of the class for landscape and horticulture. I loved it so much that it was, I was able, I was actually, it made it easier for me to learn because I loved it. Mm. So when it, I find, I think now worked out that if you love something so much, it, it really isn't that hard to learn. Yeah. Um, but it just takes a lot of time for me. It did take time for me to settle in and to to go back to learning. You know, I stepped away from school and he's like, yeah, you don't have to learn anymore. But then I came back and I decided I want to learn more and I wanted to prove to myself that I could actually achieve something. And I did. And I walked away with a certificate and yeah, yeah. it was good. Amazing. <laughs> good achievement. Yeah. And then there was a slight pivot in there into more specifically into flowers Yes. Um, yeah. So the flower side of that course really sparked me. I love that side of it. Uh, it's something that I excelled in um, a lot, you know, going into something where we had to do tests on um, spelling, spelling. Everyone knows I'm not good at spelling, um, but I have learned how to become good at spelling by practice. Um, and the one thing I did love to do was going into this flower courses and the spelling courses on how to spell the names. And I was so nice for once because I was confident in it and it made it easy for me to, yeah, to do something that was not hard. And I was like, oh man, this is what it feels like for everyone. But mm. it's, I think it's, you know, not everyone's good at everything. Um, so then obviously once I finished my landscape course, I started working at the flower auction house. Um, this is obviously that, that portion of that course was the flower side. I decided, right, I'm going to get stuck into the flower industry. Um, and the best place to do that was at the auction house. Um, so what I did is I started right at the bottom. I, I started packing boxes for flower shops. Um, you know, they would order their flowers and then we would pack the flowers and send them around the country. So yeah, I did that. I did the packing. I packed boxes for for a few months. Um, nailed that. And then after I did that, worked in the sales team. I love sales. I love talking to people. I love talking about flowers. Um, I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> um, and I figured out that I was pretty good at, at selling. Um, I guess when you can talk about flowers, it's quite easy. Um, and then once I once I did that, I got appointed um, sales manager for. The Auckland team. Um, once I had achieved that, I moved on to learning how to do auctioneering. So I became the flower auctioneer for the auction house. Um, doing that, and then after that, I was the auction manager. So this was a, a lot bigger job. This was you know in charge of 
you know, 50 people, you've got lots of staff. Um, there were lots of elements that I had to learn on the job uh, at the time. And then once I had, um, this had been about five years from the start of my UFG career, it was about five years until I decided, okay, I think I need to step out of the flower auction house and do something uh, for myself. So this is when I started um, flower growing. So I, I I dabbled in flower growing a little bit through throughout my career, um, but nothing to what the extent I did um, when I created my first business. Mm. My first business was Somerville Gardens. Um, this was my grandparents' farm out in Jury, and here I was able to really learn a lot more about business. Um, and not just the, you know, how to plant flowers. It was the accounting side. It was, you know, learning how to do GST. It was all the bits and pieces that I didn't know that you had to do. I thought it was business was fun and business was easy peasy, but it's really not. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, so yeah, I started a, a flower growing company and we grew thousands and thousands of gladioli and I mean loads this field was covered in glads and I wanted to be the best gladi grower there was so <laughs> I decided to put all my effort into growing gladies and we I did a really good job I sold flowers and the business was actually doing really really well um and was something that I really really enjoyed I loved getting up in the morning going out to the farm had a plan that day would be planting for example that day would be spraying but I knew exactly what I had to do and I pulled it off and it was a really really fun time in my life to be able to do that growing part Mm. however I was then this is probably eight months into the flower growing career um career business that I was then approached by management of UFG to come back to UFG (laughs) To go back to UFG uh, and be the job which I had visioned I'd always wanted was the uh, branch manager job. So this is a lot more of a senior role. Um, you're dealing now dealing with not just the auction, but you're dealing with the whole Auckland branch. Mm. Uh, Auckland was the biggest branch and still is the biggest branch to this, this day. Um, and I learned then that this is where I am going to learn business. This is how I'm going to learn to one manage people properly um deal with conflict all those sorts of things this is exactly what i needed to learn Mm. and it was the perfect timing for me um yeah but it was a massive massive learning curve becoming the branch manager was a massive tick for me there was a huge achievement and something that i always looked that i'd always seen people at ufg in the the auction house and they'd always been the auction manager and i was like that is where i want to be one day and i'm gonna do it and I got the opportunity to do it, and I took it. So the flower growing had to be set aside for for that for, t- for that time being, because I knew that I had to achieve this. I had to achieve this other goal to be able to step forward in my career. Mm. And now looking back, it's so interesting because you needed to learn the flower growing and doing it yourself and being on the ground floor, creating it from scratch. But then you also then saw that there was these other skills in business that you really wanted to learn through. being the manager basically and that that had always been your goal and so it was it was pretty easy decision right you were like 
Oh, yeah. Although there was some sadness leaving the growing in some ways, but you were like, no, I want to do my dream and, and be that manager, right? Yes. And then, of, of course, it's evolved even more since then. So we'll dive into that shortly, but interesting, interesting. Yes, it was. And then I came home one day and I was like, I want to go traveling. I want to leave my job and I want to go travel the world and grow and experience new things. And I guess I was on my own personal development journey. I mean, I had been for a long time before that as well, but this was where I really took a big leap. And I think there comes a time in some relationships where you don't necessarily grow at, at the same time or at the same rate. And I think I was taking a big leap forward and you were like very much still wanting to stay in New Zealand and stay at home and do the manager role. And I was like, I've just got to go explore and do more. And I just had this calling for more. And so I needed to go find that out. So I went to Billabong for six weeks as a volunteer at this amazing health retreat in Australia. And it was just Oh, well, actually, it was really challenging, but it was one of my best experiences and one where I took a massive leap in my own personal growth as a person. And then we came back and then we went to Europe and the UK and traveled around for four months. Mm. Yeah, it was was actually quite like, so when you came back, though, from from overseas, like, sorry, overseas, from Sydney, I noticed the the growth and the change that you had done, mm. and I was like, "I'm I'm like lacking behind here. Like, <laughs> I, need to, I need to like make some definite changes." Uh, and and for me, you were like, "Right, we're going to Europe," and and I was like, "It was one of the hardest decisions I had to make because I just got a job that I'd loved and I'd been like." like manifesting for so long and and you were like i'm going traveling i'm going to europe and i was like okay like (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be tricky so though me i make fast i'm a a good decision maker so i was like right stuff it um i then went and spoke to my the boss and said look i'm gonna go traveling this is what i'm gonna do i'd made my decision Luckily enough, they had actually held my job while I was away, which was very nice. But in my mind, I didn't have a job because I think that is the best thing for me. I had to go away thinking that this was a trip, a life-changing trip, not just a normal trip you go on holiday with. It was a life-changing trip, growth for me, growth for Evie. Um, But yeah, it was definitely one of the best things that I've ever done hands down, best things. It was amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, traveling's wildly fun and such an adventure, right? But I think there's something really powerful about going to a new place where you know no one. Sometimes you don't speak the language. Uh, You know, you're not sort of pulled back into the ways that people expect you to be Mm. or you're not around your family and friends as you are at home and doing the same old things and so it enables you to really really embrace who you are and just be yourself because there's no expectations you can just be you and I think that was so freeing and just like the the best thing for me as a person and I think also for you too right yeah absolutely yeah but I think when you know you were doing it so I was like I'm gonna do it 
Do you know what I mean? So like it was yeah one of those growth we grew together on that trip. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, I know you and I have had friends who have gone traveling as well. And we're like, oh, so what did you learn? And how did you grow as a person? And they're like, oh, yeah, it was good. But it's good to get back and and get back to work and same, same. And and they purely saw it as, you know, traveling and just experiencing a different country, right? And going for a holiday. Whereas I think I definitely viewed this as this is a massive period of time where I'm going to grow and explore and uncover more of myself and just I, I knew it was a personal development yeah. trip really like was, among among many other things right mm. but I think we viewed it as no we're gonna go and grow as people mm, absolutely I felt like it was like for me it was like a good reset it was like right this is the new part of my life it was like yeah you know, we did it for such a long time the travel wasn't a a month Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was a, you know, a decent, decent time. So I think it gave you time to actually, you know, step back because you haven't just got a month, Mm. you know, you've got a lot longer than that. So you're able to have a bit of travel and have a bit of fun, but then also have a good, decent time to actually, you know, reevaluate everything. Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah, such a a healing experience and such a a learning curve for us both in in different ways, but also like collectively as a couple. Mm. And so while we were over there, it was within a few weeks, actually. I think it was within the first month I signed up to Beautiful You Coaching Academy to become a life coach because that had been on my heart for a long time, but I was way too scared to take the leap. And so when I was away, I just signed up to do it the next year and that was a done deal. And then later on in the trip, I remember writing you out a list of all these coaching type questions of just getting you to uncover what you really wanted to do and and what yeah what that was and what were your talents and your gifts and yeah it was it was just I guess some reflective questions for you do you remember that yeah I do and I actually have I've still got them um and I can I can actually remember where I was doing it and it was questions that I've never been asked before um and I was like well this is real deep but (laughs) (laughs) because I'm not a very big deep person when it comes to this sort of things but it was it was questions that I needed to be asked and questions that I had to answer myself to yeah to become a better person really it was it was for me those questions were life-changing you know they helped me so much um yeah it was like I had my own life coach on my trip it was great (laughs) (laughs) and towards the end of the trip or maybe maybe halfway ish we well you came up with this idea and do you want to talk a bit about that yeah sure so i think it was i think it was like maybe we had like two months to go um and i really i think i woke up on morning i was just like nah i gotta do this i've got to try and try and open a flower shop so my vision from then onwards was to brainstorm and to write everything down and to write all my plans and it didn't matter how big or how small just write it out so um this is when I started to create Brooklyn Flowers and you know I did this with Evie and we did it together um, and we got to the point where we were creating the branding and creating the vision and creating the how the shop looked and everything that we wanted and had in our heads was all on paper which is great but you had to put it into practice because putting it on paper is very easy. <laughs> True. So... Um, you know, with all these amazing ideas, you need a place to pull it off. So, 
um, yeah, so we created what we what we could in the in the in the space we had and the time we had. Um, but then we we decided obviously our trip was over, and we came home, um, and this is where uh, for me it got real. Mm. It got real for me um, because obviously I'd come home. Um, I was able to step back into my job, which is which is nice. However, I knew then and there that that job wasn't going to last very long. Um, I knew that I needed to give this a good shot. Um, as hard as it was and, and as scary as it looked, uh, I knew that it was definitely something that we, well, I had to give it, I had to have to give it a crack. Yeah, yeah. I knew that I, if I, if I knew that there were probably points where I fight if it wasn't going to work or, you know, if it was too hard, then there was a job that I could go back to. But that's when I told myself, no, if I'm going to give this a go, it's a hundred percent focus. Don't worry about what you could do. Worry about how I'm going to do this and, and just drive forward and, and achieve your goal. So, so exciting. What does that look for? (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. I love that. Thanks for sharing so much of your journey. It's, Gosh, there's been so much, hey? Yes. Um, Already. So moving on, how did you really find the courage and the confidence to go against the grain, to really own what your dream and passion was and to open Brooklyn Flowers? Yeah, cool. I had a lot of, man, I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of doubt. Um, But I just had to keep thinking strong and stay true to myself um and and just re- and just keep thinking that my dream is big enough and my why is big enough that this dream will become true for me i had the dream and i could vision it so i just had to go with it um it was it was definitely this is uh, the the confidence side of it had to had to come along with me opening the shop I think it was absolutely fine doing it on paper. As soon as I got the lease, as soon as I found the place I wanted, that's when things got real. And I think to find the confidence for it, that came with time. And I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit deeper um, with the confidence side of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that it, you know, it hasn't always been easy being a male florist in potentially a female dominated industry. And I know for myself, remembering some of those early days when I would help you in the shop and customers would just beeline to me and they Mm. would just expect that I was the owner or I was the one in charge and that they would ask me for their flowers and they would completely ignore Brooke, which was crazy because I, I was not the one who knew flowers. Brooke was the expert in this industry and it was his his business and shop. So how did you deal with those kind of uh, setbacks or hurdles? How did you get over those things? Yeah, cool. That actually took me a bit of time to be able to work out. I was always going, why are they going to Evie? Or why are they going to another girl? Um, but I definitely worked out that I wasn't coming across as confident. I wasn't coming across as the owner. Um and as soon as I worked it out, which was fairly quickly, once I'd done that, it changed. You know, people would walk into the shop and I would greet them. You know, that then they knew straight away that he was the owner or he knew what he was doing. Yeah. It was that confidence that they could hear in my voice 
how I talked about flowers, what flowers they wanted, what colors they wanted, what topic it was going for, where it was going in the house. I would ask them all these questions. Now I go, wow, you know, obviously he knows what he's talking about. Mm. Um, and I think once I worked that out, it was a lot easier. Um, and obviously the more and more I, I, I did it, um, the easier it became. And really it was, it was just from there onwards, it just became better and better really. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think it was a matter of really accepting, owning and embracing that this is you and that you want to be a florist and you're incredibly skilled and talented in this area and that that was the thing that enabled you to feel more confident like just really owning yourself absolutely yeah yeah i would like wake up and i'll go right confidence is like my number one thing if you wake up confident i feel like for me if you wake up confident your day will be great if you wake up in fear or you wake up a bit stressed it's going to be a lot harder you know to i'm only human i still get those days where i wake up and it's and it's, and it's hard and mm. things like that but it's, it's the way you snap out of it and and embrace confidence um yeah for my thing is embrace confidence over fear really it's mm. the number one number one thing and you often talk to me about choosing to be confidence and that confidence is a choice right absolutely yeah yeah definitely um i think i've said that to you lots of times yeah. Uh, about embracing confidence yeah if you yeah it's a confidence is something that you learn over i feel like for me i definitely took me a while to to embrace confidence especially in the industry that i'm currently in yeah so just coming back to the the hurdles and the setbacks what do you think was the thing that pulled you through those challenges um i think that my dream i think that like my dream that I had for the for the business and the vision I had and the why was so big that like nothing was getting in the way. Um, it was a hundred percent what I was meant to do, and, and I'm so glad that I stuck to my guns mm. because where I am now and the stress that I went through to get it to where it is now has just paid off. It's just amazing. So, but that is obviously with the confidence it's it comes back to so you know my confidence in my why was big enough so we were able to pull it off yeah amazing what advice would you give to people who are wanting to do their own thing but are finding it hard to break away from society's norms or other people's expectations of them what advice would you give them i would uh my my advice would be that if you if you if you dream it up then it's definitely possible um if you carry yourself with confidence you can achieve so many things um i reckon that if you if you get if you get lost in your head and you get you get bogged down and with all those with those inner thoughts of you know you can't do this or you can't yeah it's all too hard um that's just going to pull you backwards and i do think that if you if you really want to give it a go then absolutely try it you know never let something or if it looks too big or it's too hard get in the way you just just give it a go because you never know what might happen yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's a little bit like your scenario when you got back. Like there was a lot of fear and doubt and questioning yourself when you came back and you're like, shall I leave my my supposed dream job being the manager of the flower auctions to then go against the grain to jump ships to then be a, a florist in New Zealand and have your own flower shop, have your own business, yeah. right? crazy yes it was definitely crazy it was that was um a big decision i had to make and it was because i was going on the complete opposite side of of mm. i was obviously running the auction house and then obviously i was going to be on the opposite side i was going to be on the auction stand buying, buying flowers so yeah. It's, it's yeah and what would you say to the people who just don't get it or if someone tries to sway you or tries to tell you otherwise what would you say to that pretty easy prove them wrong <laughs> that's my thing in life if um if something's someone said something or you know you, you can't you can't do this or you know i did have that at school where you can't do this blah 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 well nah i can do this watch me i'll, I'll prove you wrong and so that's always been a whole thing through my life is is you know i take it as a challenge and to prove them wrong is and i get huge success out of it like it just makes me super happy when I now when I pull those things off it's like yes I did it it's awesome great feeling. yeah <laughs> and you're also like super competitive as a person and so <laughs> and me you are, <laughs> yes. giving me the eye <laughs> um but you know that if anything's a challenge or a, a competition then you rise to it right absolutely you yeah. have to yeah and I think uh the, just something to add to that question is that Sometimes people don't necessarily agree or will be on your your side or your team or agree with what you're doing because it's not for them. Like I truly believe that owning your own business is not for everyone and uh, that your vision is going to be different and unique to you. And so not everyone will be able to see and understand your dream. And and so it's not for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, going back to your question, you're, you're, you're just answering it about business isn't for everyone mm. business is not for everyone mm. um it takes you know it takes there's, there are certain people who are who are just built for doing their own business um and that's that's cool but it's absolutely yeah it's super super hard but it's so rewarding at the same time it's it's so rewarding it's amazing achievements that you're able to do because it's your business yeah Do you know and yeah. i think it comes back to your why right like mm. i always thought and brooke will agree with this i told him very early on in our relationship that i was not a business minded that i was not entrepreneurial and here i am now with my own business but um you know a part of that was really owning my authenticity and really embracing who i was so undoing a lot of that conditioning that i mm. had been taught along the way but also that if you have a strong enough why, then you'll do it no matter what. And so I knew that doing my mission and my dream and my my why, it, it meant that I had to have my own business. And so that was just like a side thing. Yes. But because I'm so strong in my why and my vision and my dream, then it just means that learning business is just a learning curve for me. And it, it's not a hindrance. It's not something that will stop me because my why is stronger. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I actually, I, I remember asking you this question one day. I was like, uh, Evie, do you think you'll own a business one day? You're like, uh, no, I will not. <laughs> uh, and I was like, here's me. Like, I love business. And to hear someone say that, I was like, wow, there is definitely 
two people one people some people who love business and people who don't love business yeah and it's so funny now to see you on the complete opposite side where you like you know froth over business and you love it so much where before you know this could be you know five years ago it was like no i don't like business i want to stay at a stable job and do my thing <laughs> now it's just like completely different i laugh because it's so interesting because brooke and i've been together a long time so we've journeyed through this all together right and and watched each other grow and change but i don't yeah i, I just think it comes back to your vision and your dream and if it means that you have to have your business with that then you'll make it work if your dream isn't related to business or anything like that then that's totally cool too like there's no judgment either way right it's just what's what's your dream what's your vision go do that mm. and if it involves business great if it doesn't great yeah absolutely yeah amazing Alrighty, so brooke what does inner confidence mean to you um i reckon so inner confidence means to me would be always stay true to yourself no matter no matter what it is um stay absolutely 100 percent true to yourself um it's it can be so hard but it can also be so easy so for me confidence wasn't always my number one that wasn't always confident um but once i guess you learn what helps you make you confident if that makes sense um then once you figured it out then Mm. it's easy but it's it's it takes a long time and you have to go through a lot of things to be able to work out exactly what that is what that what that tick how how it makes it easy for you to tick it off and go yeah now i'm confident because for me going back to all these things that i've done there's a part of that which i've dug out now and gone oh why was i not confident all the time or why did i give up all the time you know the reason for that is is that I found things hard, obviously, from a very young age. With and, your dyslexia. Yeah, with my dyslexia. And, and, and going through school and going through jobs, like dropping jobs here, dropping jobs there, you know, it was, for me, it was going, oh, yeah, I get to a point where it'd be like, no, no, this is way too hard, Brooke. This is my critic going, it's way too hard. And that's when I didn't have the confidence to go, no, I can do this. Just keep doing it. It was it was too big and it was that's when I would just ditch jobs, go find a new job because that was easy enough to start learning from scratch again. And because I started learning from scratch again, I was learning and 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 doing it at the time, it felt like it was easy. And then I get to the point where it's too hard again, so I move on. So that's when I worked out what it was, and as soon as I as soon as I did that, everything became a lot easier. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what I hear you saying is that partly that confidence is a choice that you've mentioned earlier, that you choose to be confident. Partly it's a skill that you can learn, which is what I often refer it to and talk about is that you can learn it and get better at it and do the things that make you feel really good. Mm. But also, I guess what you've also told us earlier in this conversation, it was around just getting back to who you are at your core owning who you are your gifts and talents and just being really strong in that and 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 so that's where your confidence comes from is like actually just being who you are owning it yeah staying true to yourself yeah yeah absolutely yeah beautiful 
my next question's around inner critic, which you've I think kind I just of, touched on that. Yeah, you've kind of already answered. But, um, you know, if there was one thing that your inner critic used to always say that you can now look back and say, oh, that was just a total BS story, mm. would it be that I'm not good enough, smart enough, it's too hard and then give up? Would, would you say that's yours? Yeah, 100%. Definitely. It's like I can now look back and go all those times that I found things so hard, you know, dropping out of school because it was too hard yeah you know my teacher saying that i wasn't good enough or that you know i wasn't excelling in school yeah nah too hard can't do it Mm. so like for me that was my inner critic for like a long period of my life like a lot a lot of my childhood my teenage years you know even into my early 20s was that inner critic was like so loud that i guess once i had my trip that where i was able to build confidence and be able to really go back and, and work out what what was doing that for why I was doing what I was doing. Once I worked that out, mm. it was gold, you know. It was so made, made things in so much more sense for me that I wish that I had, you know, years and years ago that I worked out what that critic was talking about because I, I believe that if I'd worked it out, maybe I, my past would have been different or, you know, things would have changed however i'm absolutely stoked on the path i'm on yeah totally. but you know yeah things no, always happen for a reason i think that's yeah like no regrets right like absolutely. you're saying like and it's really interesting having this conversation now where we're like going over it chronologically yeah. and reflecting on it all where you can see that it's kind of all aligned and matched up and you had to go through those challenges and experiences to get to where you are now but also just to add when we were traveling and I wrote you out those questions about like, who are you? What do you really want? Like I remember at the time getting a tad frustrated because I could see the potential in you that you couldn't see in yourself yet. Yes. Cause I think I hadn't worked it. I hadn't worked. She that's after that, after you writing those questions out for me is when I was able to work out, what was going on yeah and it was just about doing the inner work and I guess what like what we do in coaching is really like uncovering you and Mm. building you up embracing all of you and having the confidence the belief to go after the things that you want and then yeah the rest is history you've sort of come back and launched Brooklyn Flowers and here we are a couple of years on doing amazingly well yeah Yeah, amazing. I love that story. So what's one piece of advice you'd tell your younger self? Um, What would I tell my younger self? That never to give up. Never to, never let anything stand in the way of your dreams. Never let anyone say that you're not good enough. Um, Embracing everything around you, embracing everything you know, all the opportunities that you get um, and just just know that no matter how big your dream is or how big your why is, that if you've got something and you've got a dream and you've got a goal, that you can do it 100%. And I and I could I could say I'd gone back and, and say this years ago, well, I would go, no, that's not true. But now I have done the work, I know that yeah. if it's big enough, and you've got the dream. Hey, there's nothing holding you back. So inspiring. Love that. <laughs> last, last question. Lucky last. If there was one thing 
one message or piece of wisdom you'd like to impart with the world and the lives that you've touched, what would it be? I think I just briefly touched on it then, but I would just recap it. So never let anything stand in the way of your dream, no matter how big or how small, how hard or how tough it gets. Make sure that you just go for it and make sure that there's never a point where you go, what if? Just believe in your dream and believe in your vision and don't stop until you've achieved it. And I believe that 100%. And I'm, I can I can definitely say to you that I did not believe that I could do what I can do now. But I, I, looking back at all the work I've done, I'm now super grateful for the achievements that I've achieved. And yeah, just go for it. That's my number one thing. Give it a crack. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Brooke. That was so inspiring. And there is so much wisdom in your journey. And I hope that the listeners take some nuggets of gold away with them. I know it's been such a pleasure and honor talking with you today. So thank you for sharing so openly and honestly with us. Probably some of the stuff that you don't normally talk about in your world. And I know this would have been a little bit out of your comfort zone. So Thank you so much for being here and yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. It's been super cool. Thank you. Wasn't that epic? For all of the details and things we talked about in today's show, you can check them out in the show notes and that's over at evelynkelly.co.nz forward slash podcast. And if you can think of anyone who would really benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. And while you're there, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a five-star review in iTunes so that we can get this podcast out to even more humans and create a ripple effect throughout the world.